Hey, everybody, this is Trags, and I am back for episode 27 of the Jungle Roar podcast. We are still in the season number one. That is because the Bengals were able to knock off the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday night in uh, dramatic fashion. 26-19, of course, you all know the story by now, the end of the 31-year, nine-day playoff win drought. That's in the past. I am welcoming in this episode 27, one of the best on the beat, and that is Jay Morrison of The Athletic, covering all things Bengals and the NFL for uh, The Athletic. Please follow Jay on Twitter at jmorrisonath, all one word. How you doing, Jay? Great, Dregs. How are you? I feel like I should be asking you the questions. Like, how, how do you cover a team that advances in the playoffs? I've never done it before. Well, uh, I, I think I said this on the Zoom call, I maybe on Sunday. Um, whenever it was that the last time I covered a team, not that did not make the NFL playoffs was 2008, the year, uh, Brady tore his ACL and still that Patriot team won 11 games. The last time I covered an NFL team that, that did not win double digits in the regular season was, do you know when last time I covered probably probably last you probably when you covered the Bengals before you went to New England right no it was uh close but it was 2002 um Uh, when uh after their first Super Bowl win the uh Patriots went nine and seven and missed the playoffs that's the last time I covered a team that did not win double digits it's just amazing so I deserve all the credit for the Bengals advancing in the playoffs so uh the Bengals have another uh box to check this weekend as I wrote and as I tweeted out on Tuesday and that is winning a playoff game on the road for the first time in franchise history they are 0-7 and 0-9 away from Cincinnati, as we all know what the other two um, neutral site games were, Super Bowls 16 and 23. Um, winning a game on the road, I think, in terms of the three remaining uh, higher seeds than the Bengals are in the AFC, I think this is the most desirable opponent. Not only have they beaten uh, the Titans last year in 2020, that was at Paul Brown Stadium, I think they match up reasonably well, I think, if they can handle the run game. What I agree think? with you. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, you, you, you always wonder or worry about a slow start in a road game. Um, and, and we saw it, they were at home against the the chiefs and they started slow and they got behind 14, nothing. If something like that happens in Buffalo or in Kansas city, I don't think you're coming back and winning that game, but it, it wouldn't be ideal to get behind like that at Tennessee. But I, I, I feel like that, that, is a situation that the Bengals could manage. And even if you're not talking about playing from behind, just one of the Bengals strengths on defense is stopping the run and and they haven't faced the the quality of a run game. That's outside sure. of maybe Cleveland. Cleveland's pretty good, um, but they didn't fare very well against the Browns either. So it's, this is a little bit of a different animal, but it, it's still, it feels like you, you look at just the, the quarter, but beyond the matchup of run offense versus run defense, you just look at the head-to-head quarterback matchup, and I think a lot of people would say, "Yes, give me Joe Burrow over Ryan Tannehill." Even though Ryan Tannehill has been doing this longer, is has seen more, has more playoff experience. Yeah, and you know, I think when you take a look at how the Titans are built, and you know, I'm writing about this for CLNS Media, uh, Jay the Titans are built in the trenches and that shouldn't surprise anybody given the fact that their head coach is Mike Vrabel. And I mean, you, you look at 
that a lot of those guys they got in free agency. Um, then they also have some some dra- high draft picks on that O line. Um, Lawan was a first round yes. pick. They, I mean, they they they've intentionally stockpiled those positions. And whereas the Bengals have kind of been more of the mindset of um, we'll, we'll hope for the best on the offensive line and hope we can overcome whatever deficiencies there are there. Um, now they have defensive line. Yes. They paid a great deal of attention signing Hendrickson, Ogan, Joby reader um, drafting Sam Hubbard with a high pick. That's that, that, that side has been a little bit different, but I mean, it's, it's not an accident and it's not all Derrick Henry. Why that, that offensive or why that run game is so good offensively. They have really invested in their O line. Well, and I think that brings up an interesting point, Jay, is how will Lou Anarumo decide to attack that uh, offensive line? Will he bring more guys into the box? Will he do more stunning across the defensive line? I think that's a fascinating uh, matchup to watch. And I also believe this, and we'll see if it bears out, but whether or not um, the Bengals can handle the loss of Larry Ogan Joby uh, to uh, injured reserve with a foot injury, I think if there's one team left in the playoffs that can really handle that, uh, it's the Bengals because that uh, B.J. Hill for Billy Price trade in the preseason last week of preseason is looking really good right about now. Honestly, it's looked good all year, and and that's not a slight on Billy. I think Billy has played better with the Giants than he did with the Bengals, but it, B.J. Hill has been terrific this year. I mean, five and a half sacks. You look at between him and Ogan Joby, you've got 12 and a half sacks from your, from your defensive tackles. Um, it's I agree that it's a big loss losing Larry Ogan Joby, but it, it feels like they can mitigate that a little bit. You can move – a cam sample inside and get some pass rush shacks out of, or snaps out of him. Um, it looks like Trey Hendrickson will be back. He was at practice today. Um, it looks like Josh Tupo might be back. He was at practice today. So it, you know, 24 hours ago, it was a big, huge concern, but it's, it's already trending better. And that's, that's one of the reasons that you invest in, in a position group like that in the trenches is in case things go wrong. They've been very fortunate all year every position group of, of not having injuries. And now they all hit at once and you, you at least have people you can lean on to, to stick in there. I, it's not ideal facing a, an offense like the Titans, but I, I Paul Daner, who I do the podcast with on the athletic asked me this morning, you know, where my concern level is from one, not at all to holy crap, this is terrible at the top end. And I said, you know, three or four, and that's before we knew Hendrickson and Tupo were back at practice. So I, I do think that it, it's not a dire situation. It's not ideal, but I think they can overcome it. Well, not only overcome it, Jay, but I actually think the Bengals and Anarumo might be able to, and, and Marion Hobby. I mean, I, we haven't spoken enough this year collectively, I think, as a group um, mm-hmm. about the job Marion Hobby has done along the defensive line, coaching them up. But I think we could see maybe the reverse of the NASCAR front. I mean, that that's the front that the Giants made famous with, uh, you know, putting all pass rushers along the defensive line. Do you think we could see something along that where uh, Lou and Marion say, you know, we're going to just going to put heavier bodies along the front and make it harder for them to move us out of the way, maybe three nose tackles. I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there. What do yeah, you think? I don't know. I, I don't know 
how much faith they have in Tyler Sheldon. I, I think there's, and we heard DJ Reader talk about it today, how he he got on Tyler early, and he said everybody got on Tyler early, and I, I think there's a um, that 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 is not coming along as well as they hoped when no. they drafted him in the fourth round, but. That Cleveland game, we we all talked about how important it was to rest the starters. The 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 other side of that is getting guys like Tyler Shelvin snaps and getting his feet wet against NFL competition and knowing one way or the other, can we trust him in, in a playoff game? So I, that that will be interesting to see. I, he's going to be active. He he's, he hasn't been active on game days most weeks. I think he will be active, and maybe they do do that. Maybe they put Reader and B.J. Hill and Tyler Shelvin in the middle of that line, and um, you know, kind of dare the the Titans to attack attack it that way. The, the thing that I we focus so much on their running game and and Derrick Henry and. I, it's, I feel almost like people are sleeping on Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown and, and, and Julio. Forget, they've got a guy over there <laughs> named Julio Jones who does not look like the Julio of old, no. but you, you get in a playoff game and, and get a guy with experience like that. And you, you can, you see him turn up a little bit. So um, it is, it's, it's not the juggernaut that the chiefs or the bills are, but it is, it is a formidable offense for sure. It, it is. And you know, the thing that concerned me, the other day about the Raider game wasn't necessarily um, the Raiders uh, being able to move the ball with uh, Darren Waller and, and uh, Derek Carr throwing passes to Darren Waller. It were it was the size of the holes that Josh Jacobs was running through and that he did not run through the first time against the Bengals. I just thought that there was there was too many gaps on the edges of the uh, defensive line and on the edge of, of uh, the Raider offensive line that the get gave me a little bit of a pause. And, you know, everybody remembers Mike Hilton chasing down Josh Jacobs from behind. Uh, it was, a, you know, a terrific tackle and saved uh, four points at that. I believe that saved four points. And, you know, you don't want to see that happening here against Tennessee. Yeah. I wonder how much of that was, um, you know, kind of the, the approach they took against the chiefs where they were, they were like, we're not going to let Kelsey. We're not going to let Hill. And you got you. You have to bend somewhere. And, and maybe it was so focused on Renfro and Waller that you leave some some gaps there in the run game. And 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 Jacobs was able to exploit it. Um, I I don't think that's going to be. I don't think the run game is going to be a secondary thought this week. But then that no. that leaves it open the other way. To you know, are the are the Titans going to be able to expose the middle of the field with a tight end? Or are they going to be able to hit AJ Brown down the field for deep shots? There, there's, there, there's no way that you're going to be in a, a game against a playoff team or in a playoff game against a good team and be able to just totally shut them down. You got to kind of pick where you want to focus, but I, I, I wouldn't worry so much about what Jacobs did just because I think that that will be the intent of this, this Lou Anarumo game plan is let's, Let's stop Derrick Henry, and if Ryan Tannehill beats us, then then so be it. All right, we've spent enough time, I think, for the time being, uh, talking about the defensive front and how they're going to handle Derrick Henry. Now, we're assuming he, Henry missed the last nine regular season games with a foot injury. We are assuming that Henry is going to come back and play uh, on uh, Saturday against the Bengals, 4.30 kickoff uh, down at Nissan Stadium. Uh, if he doesn't, or uh, if he is limited in any capacity, Dante uh, Foreman uh, certainly had a terrific year for the Titans. He is the other running back we 
uh, certainly should mention. But now we're going to move on to the Bengals and the offensive side of the ball and the job Joe Burrow did in his first playoff game. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Here's the theory I have for you, uh, Jay Morrison of The Athletic covering the Bengals in the NFL. I think that the Bengals were more conservative in that second half because they were playing with a lead for the most part, either 14 or 10 points for a better part of that second half. Yes, it got down to seven. And yes, it was, you know, nut crunching time as uh, a lot of coaches like to say toward the end of that game. But I think Joe Burrow managed that game with the lead very, very well. Yeah, I do too. And it's funny because being conservative where the Bengals are concerned still feels like you can attack. Like just because you're running the ball doesn't mean you're, you're just killing the clock and managing the lead. You, I mean, Joe Mixon is one of the best running backs in this, in this league. And I, I think you can kind of have your cake and eat it too there where you'd be a little more conservative and run some clock, but still not be in the mode of, okay, we're just going to run it and then, and then punt. And if, if you remember they, when they got down in the red zone, they, they weren't able to capitalize, but it wasn't like they, it wasn't like that San Francisco game where Zach just kind of ran the ball and then was more conservative. And then um, Joe gets sacked on third down. The only time we saw that was actually early in the game um, after the, the strip sack and they had it at, I can't remember. It was inside the red zone. It was close to the 10. And that was the only time they ran Mixon on the first two plays. And then the the pass on third down didn't work and they kicked the field goal. So I, I do think it wasn't just red zone. It was overall that once they did have the lead that they, that's kind of the responsible thing to do. And even though you trust Joe Burrow not to make mistakes, he is in his second year in his first playoff game and it, it it felt everybody knows how these games are you know one tipped pass one pass that a perfect pass from Joe Burrow that maybe goes off a receiver's hands and gets intercepted can totally swing one of those games and it, and it was Zach's first playoff game too so I I I wasn't surprised to see them take the a little more conservative approach knowing they were playing from ahead and knowing that Zach Taylor said uh, on the uh, on Sunday after the game that he could have done a better job in the red red area, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think that really really means? Pass the ball more, look, call different plays. When he says I can do a better job in the red zone, what does he mean? Do you? I think, I think he meant play selection, not not run versus pass, but pass versus pass, calling this pass instead of that pass, or right. or this concept versus that concept. I I, I that was the impression I got that he just. He, he wasn't happy with his play selection um, in, in, in terms of the routes that he called and in putting Joe in the best position. Um, I, it, like I said, I don't remember them running all that much in the red zone except for that first time after, the, after that turnover early in the game. I think all year, and I correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, I just don't ever get the sense that they run particularly well in the low red area. I just don't – maybe it's just that the fact that they don't have the offensive line – that they feel confident in doing that, like maybe a Tennessee does. Certainly, they they definitely feel confident uh, running the ball low red area. I just don't get the sense that the Bengals do, and they leave it in the in the hands of their best player, Joe Burrow, down there. Because yeah. they, I mean, they they run more power down in the red zone, and you're right, they don't have the line for that. You you're you're not running that as much of the the zone and and relying on Joe to do the cutbacks. That's not the kind of attack you want to have in the in the low red zone it's it's straight ahead and they're just not getting the push the the holes are not there for joe mixon i mean the 
best example of that, of course, was the end of the Kansas City game where they got lucky and, you know, they had the mm-hmm. hands to the face call on, on Tyler Boyd and uh, they got another shot. And when they got that shot, they ran out the clock and kicked the field goal. Um, you know, field goals to me, this is the kind of game that's kind of weird to me because I don't know if you need to score a ton of points to beat Tennessee, but I do think if you get in a low, uh, low red zone against Tennessee, you've got to punch the ball in. You know, you take your field goals, you know, between 30 and 50 yards, even a little bit beyond 50 outdoor stadium. I'm, I trust Evan McPherson in these situations, um, but I just think they've, they've got to find a way to be better offensively in the red area. Um, your thoughts on Jamar Chase. I, I was impressed with, you know, he had the drop on the first target of the game and and clearly he put that in the past. That's the thing about Jamar Chase that impresses me the most. Certainly his numbers are all pro. He has had an incredible, incredible Randy Moss-esque rookie season uh, with the Bengals. But his ability to put bad plays behind him and his composure uh, really impresses me as a first-year NFL player. Yeah, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, maybe that offseason full of drops helped him. He he learned to trust his ability and and not get in his own head and, and trust his talent and that you know, put that stuff behind you, move on to the next one. And um, that that could very well have kind of laid the groundwork for that because we have seen him. The Jets game, he he dropped a touchdown pass um, and he comes back strong after that. And it's just, it's something that a young receiver has to learn. Yeah, I, I was struck. Deontay Johnson for the Steelers had a couple brutal drops in that in that Chiefs playoff game. And in his postgame press conference, he said, look, I'm going to drop the ball. I'm human. That happens. Um, you, you just move on from it and, and make the next play. And um, I, I think, you know, Chase has that that same mindset, even though he hasn't he hasn't dealt with this before. He, he never dropped the ball in, in at LSU. And then he he has that that. I don't know what you want to call it blip or whatever it was in the, in the OTAs in the preseason. And it, it had to have bothered him. And you, you could just tell some of the easier ones that he, they threw to him, he dropped. And clearly that is a mental thing and he got over it. And so, yeah, that you, you never want to see a drop, but if you do see one early in this game or the next, whenever it is, I don't think anybody has to be worried about, uh Oh, you know, this is going to be a thing today. He He's proven over and over again that, he can move on to that next play and, and not just move on, but excel. You asked Joe Burrow, and I'm paraphrasing here, Jay, so please do um, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm paraphrasing you. On uh, Tuesday during the Zoom call with Joe Burrow, you asked whether or not um, confidence and rhythm can carry over from one drive to another. Is that about right? Is that what you asked, Joe? Am I Yeah, because my thought process was there if, if it was – it's one thing if, you know, and we've seen him do this, get hot in the second half and it, it coincides with the defense getting stops and you get in three out three and outs, and then you go right back out there. And so that rhythm can kind of just keep going. But what, what happens if you have a nice long drive and it feels like you're in a rhythm and then the, the Bengals right. defense lets Derrick Henry go 75 yards and nine plays, does it feel like you're starting over again? And he said that can be a challenge. And number one, mentally, to kind of keep the rhythm going. And number two, he said if it is a long drive, he'll get up. He'll he'll get up off the bench and he'll start, you know, making throws and getting loose. And 
Um, I just, he's been on such a heater lately where it seems like he's been unstoppable in the second halves of these games and, and on such a great run. And, and part of that, it has been because the defense has turned it up too and, and either gotten three out three and outs or turnovers and you give it right back to the offense. And it's like that moment, momentum just starts gaining speed and gaining speed and they become unstoppable. And that's, that was just kind of what I was curious with him is if, if he thinks they can do that, if the defense isn't holding up its end of the big deal. So the, the the reason I think that's interesting, you brought that up, and it was a critical part of the game, was early fourth quarter, the Raiders capped a 13-play, uh, 57-yard drive. Seven and a half minutes, the ball was out of Joe Burrow's hands. And he did not look particularly sharp in that fourth quarter. The uh, Bengals did score, um, obviously, a key field goal. They uh, you know turned out to be a very, very important possession because they made it a two two uh, possession game at 26 16 on that fourth and inches. I can tell you that I was nervous that they were going to go fourth and inches. And if Joe Burrow got the right look, they were going to snap the ball and go for it. That would have been a very, very big risk. No, don't you think? It would have been a huge risk. And I think Zach even said that, yes, they would have, didn't he? That if yeah, he did. Right look, and I like, would have gone for it. And, and I'm like, you really would have gone for that when a two possession game is really what you're looking for at that point. Uh, I just, it surprised me, but I bring up that Daniel Carlson, 34 yard field goal, uh, early fourth quarter as, um, kind of some, you know, evidence to support why you were asking Joe Burrow that question and why maybe Joe Burrow had some trouble finding his rhythm. And that's in the second half of that game on Saturday. I think it's, I think it's going to be a different story. This is a Tennessee team having uh, preliminarily looked at the numbers uh, for uh, this game. They can be passed upon and they are just above the Bengals in pass defense in terms of yardage allowed. I think the Titans come in 25th in the NFL. The Bengals are 26th. You can pass on the Titans. And if the Bengals uh, are allowed and Burrow is allowed enough time, I look for some big strikes down the field and I look for a big game from T. Higgins because you know Vrabel is going to double um, Jamar Chase. Yeah. And it's, it feels like it's T's turn. You know, yeah, it does. He's, he's exactly got his right. turn, and Tyler Boyd had his. And um, yeah, and, and T didn't look particularly good in that Raiders game. There was one point where I noticed I just happened to be looking down and I saw him walk off the field and slam his helmet down with with both hands. He was he had missed a he had dropped a couple passes he typically doesn't drop. There was a couple where he and Joe just couldn't quite get on the same page. And the, the frustration was apparent. And um, I, I do, it's, it's kind of like Jamar bouncing back from the drops. You expect T to bounce back from a, from a, a not T Higgins like game and, and have, have a big one because you're right. It's, you're just, it's, it's almost malpractice now at this point, if you don't double Jamar chase, it's Man. like, I don't care how right. good of a corner you think you have, you have to double that guy. And thought uh, Vrabel had a, had a good comment today where they asked him about it. Jamar Chase's relationship with Kristen Fulton. They both went to same high school, both went to LSU. And if, if that, if that familiarity could help. And he said, yeah, and that's about all I've got <laughs> because <laughs> there's not much else to rely on there, except you, you've just, you, you have to double that guy. If, if you want to take him away. How much did you enjoy what Zach Taylor did after the game the other night? What, I thought it was really cool. I did. I, I, I was a little, the, the one thing that struck me was the, they should, they, they should always 
post that video of him giving the game balls out in the in the post game locker room, and it's raucous. And they, they everybody's like, yeah, really into it. And when he said he was giving one to Mike Brown, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, a little smattering of applause. I thought it would be, I thought it would be bigger for some reason. And then the 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 gesture to to give it to the I thought was brilliant. I yeah. it it wasn't spur of the moment. He said it's something he's thought about since he got here, driving past that that same Mount Lookout Tavern every night that he goes home from work and always seeing Bengal fans in there and appreciating the that the fact that they're supporting them even though they were losing. And I just I, I thought it was a, a really, really cool gesture. And um it it was funny. If if you watch the we watched the news after the the Chiefs uh Steelers playoff game and they were interviewing the people from Mount Lookout Tavern and they were talking about how Zach was in there giving everybody high fives and everything and he kind of downplayed that kind of contradicted everything he said he said he was in and out quickly and because he was asked about COVID concerns right and right, and protocols, like that. right. And yeah but it was I, I I thought it was really cool I think that you know that this te- this is a team that is not long on traditions it took them forever to put in a ring of honor and now this year they've created the ruler of the jungle and some people think it's hokey but other th- people think it's cool um I think anytime you can establish something like that, that, that not only the fans can appreciate, but participate in it's huge. So, and, and we, I shouldn't throw you into this group, um, but I'm going to generalize here, Jay. We in the media are sometimes way too cynical. And we know that when, you know, let's say uh, Zach is talking about, we need, fans to show up this week like he did several times during the regular season we need fans to fill the jungle we need fans to fill pbs you know it's got he's another marketing arm of the bengals uh, need to sell tickets and that's understandable and but this has gone beyond that and i think the bengals deserve very high marks starting with um elizabeth blackburn who you know had the kind of the brainchild of coming up with the rule, the jungle concept uh, before the season began, um, you know, and they had to iron some things out as a new, any new concept does. You have to go through the ups and the downs, what works, what doesn't work in terms of reaching the fan base. But my general rambling point here is that the Bengals, I think have done a sincerely genuine and very good job of re-engaging the fan base and obviously the number one thing you have to do is win and you have to win in the playoffs. And that's why I thought Saturday night was so important because you could feel a, a different energy around the fan base with the Bengals winning and with a guy like Zach Taylor um, going out to MLT and getting the crowd riled up and saying thank you to the fan. Cause he's not just saying thank you to the fans in that bar at that night. He's saying thank you to everybody who has stuck through, uh, stuck through all of this crap um, and the ownership, which he said, if you know, it was any other team, I don't know if I'd be here for a third season. I thought that was also really poignant. Yeah. And I, the other thing I thought was cool that he, he took Kevin Huber with him as a, a Cincinnatian and they did not take, anyone from their social team it wasn't like this was a oh right a, a, a planned stunt where you know we're going to do this and so right. we can get the video and post it it was organic he, and he even said that the, his friend his whole his boyhood friends were in the car with his his sons and they said do you want me to come in and video and he said no no we don't need to get this on video and you know not realizing that 
every Everybody person at that bar right. has a video camera and it would end up, but and but but i think that was genuine i i i don't think that it was done for a viral moment i think it was or oh, you know, i absolutely agree with you jay yeah. it was very genuine and it was something oh i know what i wanted to say i saw a tweet out there and i'm like yes that's it that's when i thought when i read this tweet and he said uh, and the tweet was simply that's our epping coach and i'm like finally you know the fan base is getting behind a guy who's been embattled let's face it i mean everybody i wrote couple of weeks ago, everybody knew it like their gym lock combination, 625 and one. And that was Zach's record through two very difficult seasons, his first two in the NFL, just to see what he's gone through this year, what the team's gone through, the way they've matured. It's been a fun thing to watch. And I think it, I think it continues Saturday in Tennessee. You know, it's still Zach's done a good job, but you still get that where there's still a segment when does it go away, Jay? Does does it have? Do they have to get to the ball? I guess you got to win the Super Bowl. Maybe back to back. Maybe maybe this one. This one they won. In case people keep saying that that they're winning in spite of him, or he's doing a good job, but he needs to give up the play calling. You're never gonna. You're never gonna please everybody, but um, it is. It's it, it's very well deserved. It, I I truly appreciate the way he treats the media and you know anybody that works this job you don't root for the team you can't you can't cover the team effectively by rooting but you like to see good things happen to good people and it, right. it's clear that zach is good people well and that's just it. you root for the story and it's a good story mm-hmm. to, i mean there's no question anybody's paying attention to the bengals this year knows it's a great story to follow right. because there's so many new angles there's so much newness it's not writing the same and and, and granted it's my first year on the bengal beat and i i say that with full disclosure but somebody like yourself who's seen a lot of crap, you're not writing the same old, what are they going to do in the draft, you know, by, you know, week 12 of the NFL season, you're actually writing about a team that believes in itself and believes it can run the table and go to the Super Bowl. And to me, there's, I, I remember New England's first run with Brady to New Orleans. It had sort of this feel. It was a little bit different, but it it had some of the elements. And there was a newness around New England. There was a an energy that was totally unmatched. And to see that team go on the run and to see this team right now in the midst of the run, all I can say is enjoy it. You got anything else you're working on, Jay? You want to get out there? Um, no, we're still we're I'm, I'm gonna write the run game today, how they're gonna attack Derrick Henry. And um I the, the one thing I wanted to mention was Maybe I'll give you a trivia question here because I looked this up. I'm big I'm on. I'm always stats, up for a good if, trivia question. If if Joe Burrow can win on Saturday, he would be the the 20th quarterback since the merger in 1970 to win his first two playoff starts. You obviously obviously saw one of those previous 19 in yep. Tom Brady, and then Joe Montana did it, and Fran Tarkington, um, Boomer Sison did it. But do you know who the most recent quarterback was to win his first two NFL playoff starts? Ooh. Is he still alive in the playoffs? He is. Ryan Tannehill. Yep, yep. Saturday's <laughs> opponent. <laughs> yep, I, I kind of figured that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I saw, you know, and this was uh, Brady's last playoff game in New England. Logan Ryan intercepted. Tom Brady mm-hmm. to seal the 2013 game. And that was 
Ryan Tannehill and Mike Brabel beating uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget looking up from my uh, from my uh, monitor, my screen in the press box, and going, "What the f did I just see?" When you know Logan Ryan returned the, and I think that made it twenty to whatever it made it um, twenty. The final score was twenty to thirteen, and I think yeah that that uh, made it you know a ten point game at that point. And the yeah, it was Patriots good. got. Yeah, I remember that. But I, I just looked up and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is it. You know, and that was Ryan Tannehill. So Tannehill is totally capable of managing a game on the road. And certainly if he's able to win a game like that in Foxborough, you know how tested and tough the uh, Tennessee Titans are. Well, it's been fun, Jay, as always. I appreciate you coming yeah. on. Thanks for having me. You got it, Jay. Uh, that's Jay Morrison of The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter and should be doing that already, but it's at Jay Morrison, A-T-H, all one word. He does a great job covering the Bengals and the National Football League. The Bengals and the Titans this Saturday afternoon, 4.30 Eastern time on CBS from Nissan Stadium. We'll be there. Until next week, this is Mike Petralia for Jay Morrison and the Jungle Roar podcast.